0: Just to be clear, you haven't deployed $10 yet, so you're under a $1.2 million run rate, but you think you can break that fairly quickly if
1: you deploy the capital. Yeah, we we should be able to hit that pretty quickly.
0: You are listening to Conversations with Nathan Latka, where I sit down and interview the top SaaS founders, like Eric Wan from Zoom. If you'd like to subscribe, go to getlatka.com. We've published thousands of these interviews, and if you want to sort through them quickly by revenue or churn, CAC, valuation, or other metrics, the easiest way to do that is to go to GitLatka.com and use our filtering tool. It's like a big Excel sheet for all of these podcast interviews. Check it out right now at GitLadka.com. Hey, folks. My guest today is Baxter Lanius. He's a CEO and founder of Alternative. Alternative drives... Uh, Alternative drives revenue growth for SaaS companies by offering flexible B2B payment solutions for end customers and arming sales teams with an additional tool to convert customers. Previously, he was a, a fintech technology investor at Apollo Global and Victory Park Capital. Baxter, you ready to take us to the top?
1: Yeah, that sounds great. Thanks for having me, Nathan.
0: All right. There are, there are so many. I mean, as you know, fintech is like hot, hot, hot right now. So did you sort of see these valuations, multiples at Apollo and Victory and say, I need to ditch the investor thing and jump into an operator role?
1: A, a little bit. You know, it's an interesting story. I, I've been following fintech over the last 12, 12 years or so. I, I really started investing in fintech in 2014 and, and saw the boom of the industry. At the time, I was pretty unimpressed with the platforms that that were founded in, in that timeline because, Ultimately, many of them were just customer acquisition moats and strategies around websites and podcasts and news, et cetera. And there were not really many companies that were actually innovating in this space. So I decided to leave Victory Park, actually, and and start investing in technology companies at Apollo. And then I saw this whole kind of wave of fintech 2.0, as I'll call it, where there's just a tremendous amount of innovation and opportunity in the space to really disrupt uh, the number of banks uh, that are currently the incumbents. And we just started started to to really focus on on B two B payments and B two B payment solutions to ultimately innovate you know the very antiquated process that is B two B invoicing and payment flows. And so this is our first foray into the space and, and first product launch, uh, which we're launching more more broadly uh, in the in the next week or two. And it's been a really really exciting journey. And I think there's just so much innovation available and, and still untapped.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh. So tell, tell me more. I mean, if people look at your website and they don't have a deep understanding of fintech, they might go, wait, this is an invo- invoicing tool. FreshBooks sort of is great here. There's a lot of invoicing tools. How are these guys different?
1: Yeah, so we, we see our product as really a sales enablement tool uh, to ultimately unlock uh, customer acquisition, drive and deliver flexible payment solutions to your end customers to drive revenue growth by increasing average contract values and decreasing the sales cycle. So it's funny you, you bring this up. I, I received a, a, a bill the other day for ten dollars and fifty cents from a publicly traded software company. They said, pay by wire. I said, ten dollars and fifty cents, you'd like me to pay by wire. That's going to cost me twenty dollars to send the wire. And they had no other payment solutions. Now, that's just the tip of the iceberg in this market. When you then look at you know a five thousand dollars invoice or a ten thousand dollars invoice, you know, there are really only two solutions, pay by ACH, pay by wire. and Ultimately, what we're doing is we're arming sales teams, arming collections teams, arming revenue ops, ops teams to have another flexible payment solution to allow them to pay over time. Now, what does this create and, and what does this do? It, it, it expands a whole new market for a lot of these companies. If you're Salesforce and you're interested in getting into the SMB space, a lot of people can't afford $80,000 up front. And ultimately we offer pay overtime solutions that are fully customizable for that specific customer. Mm-hmm. And it's just a really interesting, interesting solution that doesn't exist today. And, and we've had just an enormous amount of growth on the customer side to generate and deliver revenue for, for our customers.
0: The equivalent in the consumer space would be I'm buying a mattress for five thousand or four thousand bucks. I use the little affirm button to pay monthly overtime. That's sort of the equivalent here, right?
1: That's that's exactly right. Affirm, Klarna, Afterpay are, are the leaders in in the consumer space. One of the key differences in the B two B space is, you know, Affirm, Klarna, and Afterpay use an iframe and kind of take over that checkout experience. We view our tool as as strictly complementary to the existing workflows of a business, so we can actually get you onboarded and integrated within minutes, as opposed to taking engineering hours to integrate in a long sales cycle. So we can have you get started finance your customers in minutes, um, and we view it really as a complementary tool to expand TAM, expand market share, and close customers a lot quicker than you you know, historically were able to. When you think about pricing negotiations as well as part of the sales cycle, it is a significant portion of the sales cycle. And if you can limit that by 50% or 20% by allowing customers to pay over time, it's also an amazing value add.
0: So let's use an example here. Let's stick with your Salesforce example. Okay. I'm an SMB. I really want to use Salesforce, but I'm not paying, you know, I can't, and let's say my quote from Salesforce is 10,000 bucks, right? For, the, for one seat annually. SMB can't pay that. So I'm, I'm going to stop engaging with the Salesforce sales rep. What you're saying is a Salesforce sales rep could offer the purchaser, right? And an SMB, a payment plan for that $10,000. Now, what might that payment plan look like?
1: That's exactly right, Nathan. And so the, the easiest way to to think about it is, is our existing generic plan is, is, is six month of payment terms. So you would break that $10,000 contract into six payments of about $1,600. And we would front the capital to Salesforce on day one. So Salesforce is ultimately able to basically close that contract on day two. So there's no not even net 30 days payables for Salesforce. They receive of 10000 so we'd take a 5% fee, Um, so we'd wire them $9,500 upon closing, and then we'd collect from the customer $1,600 over six months. And that allows that small business to ultimately start to generate an ROI on the Salesforce CRM solution and start to expand their business. So now they can afford that solution, they can drive revenue at growth at the same time. Another interesting example that you see all the time is, is even with really, really large companies, if you look at their software spend, a lot of it's concentrated in January, February or specific months. And so their PL and their budget is, you know, call it negative a million and a half and then zero, zero, zero for software spend. You know, they want to attach an ROI to that dollar spend and so that their p and and their budgets are, are properly balanced and they're able to generate revenue based off of that spend.
0: So just to be clear, I'm Salesforce. I'm using you guys. I close a ten thousand dollar contract that I wouldn't have closed without you because the the, the the it's a new solution for the SMB to actually be able to pay. I, as Salesforce, I'm going to get a nine thousand five hundred dollar check from you on day one. Alternative pays that. Um, then you're going to make is the the SMB is paying you directly. SMB is paying us directly. Okay, so sixteen hundred for six months, right? Or about nine thousand six hundred dollars, right? You fronted ninety five hundred to Salesforce on day one. Right, so there's two things where I'm curious: where this money goes, the hundred dollars extra that the customer pays above ninety five hundred. Where does that go? And then where does that five hundred dollars go originally that you sort of discounted the contract?
1: Yeah, so we we would think about it. We so we collect five hundred dollars, right, which is five percent of the ten thousand. Yeah, um, and so the customer's paying us, you know, in over the course of six months, um, sixteen hundred. You know, it's, it's one. Six, it's just over $1,600. Yeah. So we ultimately earn $500 in, in that transaction. What we're but seeing do a lot- you make the of... other
0: 100 though, from the customer? Because they're paying you $9,600 against a $9,500 advance. So you're making another 100 from the end customer, right? The SMB?
1: So we're making $500 from the SMB.
0: For, from the well, I, Sorry, I thought that was for Salesforce because you're only wiring Salesforce $9,500, right?
1: We wire $9,500 to Salesforce. We then collect 10000 from the end customer.
0: Oh, sorry. How do you get to ten thousand? Sixteen hundred times six months is only ninety six hundred bucks. It's
1: it's really you're right. it's One thousand six hundred sixty six dollars and sixty seven cents.
0: Okay, got it. So you are collecting the full. Oh, that's what I was trying to figure out. Exactly. You're not. There's no. You are rounding. There's no margin built in here. You're collecting the full ten k from the customer.
1: Exactly. And what we're seeing is, is Salesforce now has the ability to just pass through that pre- pay over time solution to their customers. So Salesforce now has, you know, pay up front at $10,000 or pay over time at Mm $10,500. This way Mm -hmm. at a net net perspective, Salesforce is still breaking even on the transaction, but they're able to now finance their customers.
0: Okay. So the question here is how do you write that $9,500 check to, or sorry, the ten you know, the $9,500 check to Salesforce on day one, what's your capital source?
1: So, so we have we're, we're funded with debt and equity. Um, we've raised just under fifteen million dollars. A portion of that is in a credit facility, and and so we fund that transaction through our credit facility.
0: Okay, so just to be clear, you've raised fifteen million together. That is the debt and the equity.
1: Exactly. Okay, and what
0: what, what five million was equity, something like that? Exactly. And about. ten mil and ten million is the total committed amount on the warehouse facility, or that's how much you've already deployed.
1: That's how much is drawn.
0: Oh, you've already drawn ten million. so you've already know well, paying...
1: it, it, it's, okay. it's 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 in the bank uh, it's a little bit of a different credit facility than than your normal course fintech credit facility. Um, so we have available capital of ten million dollars, which is currently in the bank, and we draw down that as we see demand for our product. Um, and so you know we will be going through that pretty quickly here in the next next handful of months.
0: I was gonna say so you think you can you can you can do ten million dollars worth of deals over the next couple of months? Probably more, probably more. Okay, that's great. What did you do last month? Do You know,
1: um, I'd rather not disclose because we've been in kind of this private beta period with a, with a handful of customers, and now we're launched. We've started our go to market strategy over the last four weeks, and now we're launching more publicly.
0: Okay, well, let me, I'm going to guess here. Do you think you can break a million dollars in new deals, like new loans, this month in April?
1: Yes, yes, yeah, yes. yeah. Cool. Okay, there you go. there you go. there you guys have it, guys. Now you
0: have a little benchmark <laughs> there, um, right? So, okay, this makes sense. Now, the reason most credit facilities or warehouses or fintech entrepreneurs don't draw down that 10 million because they're paying unused, like you're paying an interest rate, no matter what, whether it's deployed or not, you just have a lot of confidence. You're going to deploy it quickly. So you're okay paying your warehouse provider, whatever their interest rate is.
1: And, and we ultimately don't have unused fees on our, on our credit facility. So, okay. you know, we have a basically a flat rate associated with deployed capital. Uh, there are no upfront unused fees and, and incremental spend, which I think you see in most, obviously, typical and traditional facilities, especially facilities that I used to invest in. Uh, so we we have a little bit of a different structure and, and, and setup that I would say is, is is preferential to both our end customers and, and preferential to the business. Yep, ultimately, we pass through a lot of these opportunities to to our end customers to ultimately give them better rates on these underlying transactions.
0: And then use those as comparables in your decks to argue and debate and get a higher valuation and less dilution, which is the name of the game, less dilution. Check it out today at founderpath.com forward slash products. That's plural forward slash valuations. Again, both plural founderpath.com forward slash products forward slash valuations. So you might have an advantage because of your, you know, your connections in the industry with Apollo and Victory Park. But most fintech entrepreneurs, first timers, when they're raising their first credit facility like this, they're going to pay something between a ten and thirteen percent interest rate on capital that's deployed right there, cost of capital, and also there's probably like warrants and some covenants and things like that in that term sheet. Um, is your cost of capital sort of in that same range, ten to thirteen percent?
1: It's it's just below that. Um, okay. But that 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 that's exactly right. I mean, I, I would actually good. provide the market. I mean, it's it's more like ten to eighteen percent. Um, typically, advance rates are between ninety and or eighty and ninety percent, um depending on your credit underwriting millity. and there's also a credit box associated with all these. What transactions. was your advance rate? You
0: got ninety percent?
1: Uh, our advance rate is actually at 80 percent for for a okay. number of strategic reasons but uh, but yeah we had we had we had the ability to go up to 90 percent if if we wait if hold we on wanted.
0: I don't understand most entrepreneurs are going we want the highest advance rate possible otherwise we have to come up with 20 cents on every dollar but you're saying strategically you want to keep it low I don't I don't believe you why do you
1: want well, to keep that low we're not providing all of the equity haircut capital so it, within that ah. 20% we have an additional capital provider that that splits that amount so if you you know using round numbers, Our facility, call it, is is $10 million. $8 million would be the senior tranche. $2 million would be the junior tranche. We're not contributing the entire $2 million tranche. I also think that within any of these platforms, you also do want to de risk uh, your underlying asset quality and underwriting and ability to to do diligence on these deals. And so taking out as much leverage as what's available to you is not always the the best strategy.
0: Okay, Colin Baxter, who's the third party you stuck in here? They must be like very strategic. (laughs) Is it Apollo or we, Victory? They're not going to do a two million dollar, two
1: million tranche deal, right? No, it's uh, it's 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 very small institutions that we have a very strong relationship with. Interesting. Okay,
0: is your own money in that? Are you an LP in that institution? Are you deploying your own personal capital through through that tranche? My own
1: personal tronche? capital is also in the junior tranche, yeah. not through the company.
0: <laughs> That's, that is how you build a great company here, right? And get like the best of both worlds on all sides. This makes total sense. Okay, let's go back to talking about market now that understand economics. I mean, how do you go convince like right Salesforce and all these guys to sort of adopt you? What's that playbook look like?
1: Yeah, the, the playbook actually is, 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 is quite simple it, and it's all about revenue growth, right? I mean, we're charging 5%, which to some companies, I mean, the way we think about it is it's really 2% above what credit card fees are. Uh, So if you're using Stripe for your payables, we're charging 2% incremental to to Stripe on on collections. And it's really all about revenue growth and the ability to cross-sell, upsell, and drive price increases. So within our existing beta beta customer group, we've seen ACVs rise by about 25%. And we've seen a sales cycle decline by about 15%, driving just under 50% revenue growth. And so the opportunity is really in, in, in that in a nutshell is mm-hmm. how do you upsell, cross-sell, drive price increases? And then how do you pivot from a monthly subscription strategy and plan to really upfront contracted revenue? So mm-hmm. we also have a number of businesses who, you know, to get started into the market, started with a monthly subscription plan because it's a little bit more amenable from the customer side. And now we're getting those customers to pivot to upfront contracted pricing using our pay over time, flexible financing solutions as the incentive to the end customer. So and Baxter, how many uh, of those end
0: customers do you have right now? How many companies use factor at least one invoice?
1: So we have just over 10.
0: Okay, just over 10. And are these all B2B SaaS companies mainly?
1: Uh, B2B SaaS and services businesses. And service. Okay, last question
0: here. Uh, obviously, vintages, default rates, borrowing-based certificates, right? You've got to try and underwrite that SMB and their ability to repay that sixteen sixty six per month. How do you handle that?
1: So we're integrated on a number of different platforms. The first integration that we use is a Plat API. So we do a quick kind of bank account underwriting um, model. We underwrite them pretty quickly based off their cash balance, based off their cash burn, um, and their ability to repay. Um, we also look at a number of different alternative data sets regarding software review data, um, investor data, et cetera, to ultimately get up to speed as quickly as possible on the borrower and make sure that that diligence process and that underwriting process is actually super streamlined. So, so
0: the customer... Salesforce sales rep though now has to ask that SMB to connect their bank account. They might argue that's really high friction. How do you get around that?
1: Onboarding takes less than a minute um, and, and we can approve the invoice within an hour. So well, it's not you know, that, it's not that... The
0: speed. It's the confidentiality. It's the, oh my God, I have to give all my bank information to this middle party. I don't know about just to do a Salesforce contract.
1: Yeah, it's, it's a great question. I think that a lot of people are are much more interested in ultimately being able to finance these transactions and and be able to pay these transactions to ultimately deliver and generate an ROI attached to that dollar. And and people have continued continued to push and, and been okay with sharing some of this information to get access to the capital that they need to grow. Um, and if you think about you know what Stripe has access to, what you know, any of these platforms of access to, I think we're a lot more amenable to sharing and that will continue. That trend will continue for years to come.
0: And Baxter, so what do you, when you put your performance together, right on the fund structure, right? blend. Your bl- I think you said your blended cost capital, right? Including the junior is on un- just under 10%, right? That's
1: blended. No, so, so the this, this senior is just under 10% blended is to your point, 10 to, 10 to 13 ah.
0: Okay, cool. So the junior is making a little bit more because there's more risk. They're subordinated uh, uh, exactly. or they're under, under the main tranche. Um, what do you think you can earn on the fund? What do you think What's the projected
1: IRR? So we'll be able to earn probably mid-20s. mid mid um, And so our, our spread on our business is, you know call it in a conservative manner, about
0: 10%. So how do you do that? People are going to hear you charge 5%, but then they're going to go, wait, how does he earn 25% IRR? How does that work?
1: So the goal is in terms of recycling capital. So each one of these transactions, if you take out $9,500, take out $10,000, you're, you know, you're paying just over $1,600 for that invoice. We then receive that payment and then lend that out again. And so mm-hmm. we're able to earn multiple fees on every single deal that we have outstanding. Um, and it's the way in which a lot of these lending platforms work. Um, and ultimately, the goal is really to return that to our end borrower and the ability to decrease the cost of funds and able to pay up front for you know these large software purchases that they wouldn't be able to afford previously
0: Guys, are you following along? This is a very smart fintech guy, knows all the numbers, understand it comes from it. So just to make the math very easy, right? If you've got a $10 million facility, he's got a great product going to market that makes everyone's lives easier on both sides. If he can deploy 10 million bucks at a blended cost of 12%, and he's able to earn 25% by recycling that capital quickly as the monthly payments come back, it's effectively yield of almost 12 to 13% on 10 million or about a 1.2 to $1.3 million
1: run rate. Right, Baxter? That's exactly right, Nathan. I think you may be smarter than I am.
0: No, hell no. But the question is, right, can you keep redeploying all those payments as they come back? As your fund grows to hundred million and a billion, you're going to be getting payments back monthly that are a million and then 10 million. And like, can you get them out quick enough, right?
1: That's exactly right. Cap capital efficiency in any of these lending businesses and-, and fintech models is super important. And I think the, you know, the core of the product, which is even more important, is how do you drive value for your partners and end customers? And that's really what we're more focused on as opposed to capital efficiency in these early days how can we create a software solution that drives value and is a win-win solution for both Salesforce and their end customer. We're doing it today, but the goal is to keep it up, keep the innovation, keep the technology you know, machine moving, um, and really advance the B2B payment space, which as we all know, is very antiquated.
0: A couple of rapid fire stuff here. We're out of time, but because I, I, I love this business model, so I lost track of time. But quick stuff here. You, did you, you raised actually, that $5 million you raised last year?
1: Um, we raised that in, in Q3 of last year. Q3
0: last year. Okay, cool. And that was your, I mean, that was your first capital in, right? That's your only capital in equity sidewise?
1: I I invested a little bit of money personally in in the business to really get it off the ground. But that was our kind of first, you know, call it third party institutional raise.
0: Okay. Are you the sole co founder or sole founder?
1: Yes. Okay. We
0: love that. So he knows he's onto something big. He says, I'm going to risk my own capital. I'm going to keep 100%. I'm going to be very manage the cap table here. So that's great. Now, Baxter, was that money you initially put in? Did you structure it as a loan or was that real equity?
1: That was real equity.
0: <laughs> I was gonna say the real extreme example was but you loan your own company that money, you raise the five million, you take that back, you got in the junior tranche, like you're on all sides of this thing, which is great. Okay, but it's your own money. So four million, a five million raised last year pre-seed round. We'll see what happens next. Just to be clear, you haven't deployed 10 million yet. So you're under a $1.2 million run rate, but you think you can break that fairly quickly if you deploy the capital.
1: Yeah, we we should be able to hit that pretty quickly. I, I think the you know the goal is continuing to go to market and continue to get our value prop out there. Um, I, I ultimately think that you know B two B payments is a trillion dollar industry, and every single B two B company, whether it's software services, will have flexible pricing solutions. You know, we can't live in a world in which pay by ACH and pay by wire are the only two solutions for checking out for a ten thousand dollar payment or a two dollar payment. Um, and there's just going to be a tremendous amount of innovation in this space. And it's a really, really excited space to be in.
0: Team size today? How many people? 13. And how many engineers? Nine. Oh, okay, there you go. So when he says there's tech behind it, there's tech behind it. There's nine engineers. There you go. That's proof is in the pudding, right? Very cool. Back let's wrap up here with the famous five. Number one, favorite book? Shoe Dog. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying? Frank Slootman. No. Okay. That's a hell of a business. Uh, can you do this on utility-based pricing? I mean, Snowflake really, I would argue is not SaaS. It's actually utility-based pricing. It changes every month.
1: Utility-based pricing is a really, really interesting model. I think Snowflake's perfected it just given their ability to innovate and, and, and market position in the space. For our specific business model, I think you you may be able to, but, but it'll be challenging.
0: Yeah. And maybe that's the future. Who knows? Number three, what's your favorite online tool for building alternative? Notion. Number four, how many hours of sleep to get every night? Six to seven. And what's your situation? Married, single kids? Fiance, getting married in August. Oh, very exciting. Okay. But no kids, right? No kids. All right. And how old are you, Baxter? I'm 32. Last question. Something you wish you knew when you were 20.
1: Try everything that's in front of you. I think there's a, there's a continued push to, to really, you know, broaden your horizons and take advantage of all the opportunities. I think especially on on the entrepreneurship side, you know you really need to you know start the business you don't think you can uh, and, and go for the stars and, and get that experience even if it doesn't turn into something um, because you know the future is bright
0: guys he cut his teeth at Victory Park and Apollo launched last year in 2020 he said there's got to be a better way if you're SMB and want to use Salesforce and can't pay 10k up front there's got to be a better way to do it that's what he's built with alternative.co he's funded himself by raising a 5 million dollar equity round last year in addition to 10 million dollars of debt he's deploying that capital that debt at a you know at cost capital of him about 12 to 13% and if he can lend it Keep the waterfall going, keep recycling that money and earn 25%. The yield there is about 12 to 13%, or about a $1.2 million run rate as he continues to scale. We'll see what happens. 10 enterprise B2B SaaS companies and service companies using him to help give their customers more payment options, which helps them grow their own revenue faster. Team of
1: 13 today, we'll see what happens next. Baxter, thanks for taking us to the top. Thanks so much. Really appreciate it, Nathan.